up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Ben Standing here. I do cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. And today we'll be talking about the offseason. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that. It's obviously the offseason, so pretty much all we do is talk about the offseason. I guess I meant the transactional part of the offseason, both for agency and the draft. On the draft front, the Athletics uh, NFL Draft Insider Dane Brugler and I caught up today, talked a bunch about, today meaning Monday, talked a bunch about Washington's situation at 19. He projected a trade-up for them in his latest mock draft. We talked some about the quarterbacks, including Trey Lance, but we also talked about other potential options available for Washington at 19. The draft later on, his thoughts on um, on uh, on the um, Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew of it all, and, and all that. Then it in addition, I'm at the Double Athletic podcast. Uh, Kevin Fishbane, our Chicago Bears insider, joined me. Uh, interesting things going on on his end. He's he. The Bears, of course, are in the mix for Carson Wentz, but they also are letting Mitch Trubisky go. And uh, Mitch Trubisky is somebody who's going to be on the free agent market. Washington is going to have to consider him. But maybe more interestingly to Washington football fans, the number one free agent wide receiver. Is coming from Chicago. That would be Allen Robinson. So we got Kevin's take on all of that, where he thinks what, what he thinks may happen to Robinson, and more uh, as we get into the off season. So excited to get to all that. Uh, of course, you know the drill. You can read my stuff on the Athletic. Subscribe there. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those fun places. Follow me on Twitter at Ben standing and i'll have another podcast coming up this week for you wizards people check that out yes there will be of course washington football team stuff as well but for the wizards people you're going to want to stick around for this i'm always hesitant to say the guest because sometimes you never know things happen in fact with this one guest this will be i think the third or fourth time we've had to reschedule pretty much always my fault but nonetheless hopefully that will go off this week uh before we get to some of what, uh, before I get to these interviews, let me just share a couple quick thoughts um, today. Some news on the Washington front, the front office front. They announced today Chris Polian is the new director of pro personnel. That is the job that Eric Stokes had before he was promoted up the food chain just recently. Chris Polian, if that name sounds familiar, the last name certainly should. Yes, the son of uh, legendary front office executive Bill Polian. Chris was the general manager of the Colts from 2009 to 2011. At the time, his father was the president, so really probably one of those deals where the dad was still making the, making the calls, but the son was uh, was there. And from what I was reading, it looks like in the last year, in 2011, Chris Polian was handling more of the day-to-day duties at that point. And from 2013 to 2019, he had the same player personnel role with the Jaguars. Um I'm not going to make too big about big deal about this one way or the other, but I do think, you know, I mean, if you look at the the chain of command right now, you got Ron Rivera, you've got Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew. You can t- debate where they are, but let's just put them on the same level. You've got Eric Stokes, and now you've got Chris Polian on here, and you have Tim Gribble with the college football. Um, he, he's running the college scouting side of things. On the other side, so really, you know, Chris Polian's pretty f- fair down the list. But I think what's interesting is just the idea of all the experience now that Ron Rivera has brought into the 
to the room. Not discounting the experience from Kyle Smith, who obviously had been in the organization for, what, 11 years, but he's still a relatively young man. Uh, Jeff Scott, Brian Zakis, you know, uh, other guys that were recently let go, same with Cole Spencer, a scout. But none of that compares to the experience that is now here now. Uh, Marty, Marty Herney, former GM twice over, has been around the game uh, you know, since the late 90s. Martin Mayhew, a former NFL player, obviously, as we know, for Washington. And he was a general manager from 2007 to 15, 2008 to 15. I, I, it's late at night here. I apologize. Uh, um, you've got, and then he's been an executive uh, since then. Uh, you know, Eric Stokes was a former assistant general manager for Miami, and now you have Chris Polian, who's been in the game for over 20 years. That is a lot of experience, and clearly that's something that Ron Rivera coveted this offseason. All right, so from that brain trust, uh, they're going to have to figure out a quarterback plan. Obviously, free agency comes first, so Chris Polian is on deck before Tim Gribble, per se, but at the same time, they'll have to figure out what they want to do um, obviously, there's some trades, potential trades to discuss. No, not really talking about Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or any of that. Until those guys are made available, they're not available. For what it's worth, I was told that, you know, sort of around the league, there's a sense that, you know, while a Carson Wentz trade could happen if the Bears or the Colts uh, jump their offer to the Eagles, that the Deshaun Watson situation is kind of still hovering over the whole league. I think there's, you know, everybody's kind of waiting to have a better feel for that before they go all in on other on other situations. But at the same time, with regards to Russell Wilson, I had a person close to the, or familiar with this situation, kind of say that, uh, you know, they don't really, they'd be surprised if something happened this year. But, you know, next year, depending on what happens in Seattle, maybe, maybe there. And, you know, Sam Darnold, you know, sort of the same thing. The Jets have a long way to go before either A, they can make a play for Deshaun Watson, or B, they determine who they want, who they what they want to do with the second overall pick. I mean, even if they draft a quarterback, they could still keep Darnold and kind of see what happens. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens to quarterback. Just be patient. I see some people out there getting frustrated. I hear you, but like a long way to go. For agency, still a month out. Um, you know, there's been it's been a more active uh, off season to this point. But only really one the one trade, the Stafford trade, a big deal, and Washington was in on it. But everything else is just rumors, and most of the rumors involve guys who are not actually on the trade block. So hang in there. <laughs> it's it's not easy. I, I give you that. Trust me. But we'll see what happens uh, in due time. But what's going to happen right now on this podcast, we're going to get to our interviews. We'll, we'll start with Dane Brugler, our college or NFL draft insider for The Athletic. Got into all the questions I hopefully think you guys would want to ask him. Uh, about this draft, Washington in particular, and then we'll go to my interview with Kevin Fishbane, our Chicago Bears insider for The Athletic, here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, obviously the draft is kind of a big deal. People seem to give a crap. So if based on that, who am I going to bring in uh, with The Athletic other than our NFL draft insider, the guy who knows all the stuff, Dane Brugler. This, this, this is, for, you are the equivalent of like the tax guy the accountant before tax deadline it is non-stop all the time everybody's bothering the crap out of you asking for details are you, you hanging in there yeah it's funny as soon as uh may comes my, my phone stops buzzing um but no it's hey it, 
I'm doing this stuff year round. So I, I love this time of year because everyone else is starting to uh, really key in on this, on the prospects and the draft. And so it, it's fun to finally talk uh, with everybody else about uh, this, this, this draft and what it has to offer. For, for sure. And I do want to ask you obviously about what's going on. What do you think happened with Washington in, uh, in this draft? And you, you had a, a trade for them in your latest mock that we'll get into, but I do want to ask you just sort of broadly this using you as the avatar for the entire scouting community Obviously, it's been an incredibly weird year because of the pandemic. You know, not everybody can travel, can't make it to games. There's no combine. The combine would be happening in about two weeks from now, give or take, but that's not going to happen. The Senior Bowl was not quite the same thing, all that stuff. Where are you in your process when it comes to evaluating all these prospects relative to normal years? It's certainly different. There's there's no question. Um, and you know, for me and for, uh, you know, 32 scouting departments around the league, because like you, uh, like you set up there, uh, area scouts, they haven't been able to uh, be on the road as much as they usually are. Uh, you know, the, some area scouts, uh, they, you know, they go to games, but they weren't allowed at practice. They weren't allowed the access that they usually have in terms of, uh, you know, watching tape with seniors, uh, you know, during the week and, you know, just talking to everyone that you need to talk to, all the contacts on campus. And, uh, you know, they've still been able to get a lot of work done, obviously, with the tape and then a lot of virtual uh, interviews set up with these players, these senior players. But the underclassmen, there's still a lot of things we're figuring out, especially with these quarterbacks. Um, and it's just a lot of catch up. So, you know, it's, it's definitely different, but all 32 teams are operating on the same, on the same level in terms of access. Uh, there's not, you know, one team that has, I think more, uh, or an advantage. Although I think the teams that are, uh, maybe have a more extensive, uh, networking, uh, network of, uh, you know, uh, people in the college level, uh, coaches, things like that, people that have been around for a while, that's certainly advantageous uh, in a situation like this. Uh, but, you know, it's it, the next few months are going to be interesting with uh, with no combine. And, you know, last year we got a taste of that with the, the pro days being uh, really that that's whole schedule is disrupted. Uh, but this year it's even more so, uh, you know, at least last year we got through the combine this year. Uh, we won't have that. That we'll still have all the medical information. Teams or uh, the players are going to still have to get the medical medicals done. They're going to go someplace close by wherever they're training uh, to get that done. And then certain players that have maybe lingering effects or something else serious, they have to go to Indianapolis in April for a more extensive, uh, thorough uh, medical evaluation. So the medicals will get done. The interviews will happen virtually. And then the workouts will happen at the pro days. Uh, and that's going to be interesting when you have, you know, a lot of different, uh, you know, things happen differently on each campus at pro days. That's why combine, you know, all happening in a central location. They're, you know, the same field, the same uh, weather conditions, all that, you know, that's why the combine is so important. Pro days will be different. So it's, there's it, there's so much up in the air. Teams are going to look at this differently. Um, and it's really going to be a fascinating next few months as we finish up this process. Yeah, I was just going to ask you as a follow-up, uh, sort of what do you think are the biggest things that will not be a big of a deal without the normal thing? And what are the things that will be impacted the most? I think you just did sort of talk about that, especially with the medicals. So let me ask you this then. From a position standpoint, is there any position that you think is maybe the biggest concern when it comes to not being able to be around these guys as much, maybe like over the course of a, of the the, the 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 combine season that the, the, there's more fluctuation with a certain position 
Well, I mean, I think you obviously you immediately think a quarterback, um, you know, the combine is just, it's one big job interview, obviously. And they put you through the ringer. Uh, I mean, you're up at 4am and you're going through so many different tests, psychological tests, medical tests. And then a lot of times interviews, uh, you know, they're, they're done uh, at different times uh, that really make you have to think on your feet and, you know, teams just want to see how you uh, respond in you know adverse situations where it's just not everything's comfortable. And, uh, you know, this year we're not going to have that. And, you know, the players are going to be uh, doing interviews over Zoom and, you know, the teams will still be able to ask the same questions, but not being able to be there in person and get a feel for the room and, you know, t- or the uh, players not being intimidated by uh, staring into the faces of, you know, 10 personnel guys, you know, it's just, it's just a little different. And so, uh, it, you know, it, it, with a position like quarterback, that's, you know, it's an intangible position. It's how do you relate with others? How are, are you a leader? You know, how do you respond in, in different situations, not having the combine to address some of those uh, uh, questions or concerns, uh, you know, that's, it's just, it's very different. So, uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be a, a difficult for every position, but I think more so a quarterback, the the one where you know you really have to dive into the minds of these guys to figure out what makes them tick, and it's even more important with a quarterback heavy class like this, where you know five possible first round picks, four maybe in the top ten. It's just a very top heavy group this year. So that leads me perfectly into your mock draft because you've got Washington trading up from 19 to seven to take the guy who is arguably, I would think you tell me maybe the toughest evaluation in this entire draft class in terms of the high end guys in Trey Lance, because not only was he playing at a level below at North Dakota state, he only played one game this year. So when you factor in all that, I guess, like how, ta- how much of a challenge do you think it's going to be to evaluate that guy? And why did you like him uh, for Washington? Yeah, there's no doubt Lance is an unprecedented evaluation. Um, we've seen quarterbacks, really talented quarterbacks, come from the FCS level before, you know, Carson Wentz, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Steve McNair, uh, but never a quarterback with this talent, but also this meager experience. He's a redshirt sophomore, 17 career games. And when you watch his redshirt freshman tape, it's not like, you know, this, this, the production's outstanding. He had uh what was his, i mean the touchdown the interception ratio was crazy it was like 40 uh 42 to zero touchdown interception ratio uh, but when you watch him on film uh, the, the the bread and butter of that offense was still the run game uh they averaged 45 rush attempts per game and he was only averaging uh 17 and a half pass attempts per game so it's not like they had to uh, you know, put it all on Lance and, you know, let, you know, it, it was a, it was a, an offense that really went through the run. And so it's, it makes it tough because there's no question about his talent. He's, he's a good size athlete. He's got arm talent. Uh, and, you know, the talking to some of his teammates, they say he's not one of, but he is the hardest worker on the team. So, you know, there's plenty to like from an intangible standpoint. Um, yeah, he, the, the, you know, some people dismiss win loss record for quarterbacks, but, uh, NFL teams don't. And so it's relevant. Uh, he was 17 and 0, uh, in college and he was 20 and three in high school, uh, win loss. Uh, so, you know, he's, he has a track record of winning, uh, just a very difficult evaluation where, 
to best understand him as a quarterback, teams are going to have to understand where is he in his mental development. Uh, watching his film, there's a lot of times where it was, you know, one read and run, where if that read wasn't there, okay, he could drop his eyes and take off with the, with the football, and, you know, he'd still gain seven, eight yards, so it's a positive play. Uh, obviously, in the NFL, it's not going to be quite like that, and he has to work his progressions and uh, just, you know, show more from a mental standpoint. And so teams want to know where is he uh, in his development in that area. Um, and that's something that teams are hoping to answer uh, during the next few months. Uh, but he's a really, really talented player that, you know, if you're going to gamble on, on, on a quarterback, you want to gamble on a guy with these types of traits. And I think going to a situation like Washington where, you know, there's there's quarterbacks on the roster that can, uh, you know, keep you competitive in the short term. But what's that long-term picture? That's that's kind of the question, and that's where Trey Lance, you know, might be the answer. Uh, Seventeen and zero is that good? It's not bad, including a <laughs> national t- championship. Uh, so yeah, sixteen and zero as a redshirt freshman, including the FCS national title. Uh, I mean, North Dakota State's a machine. You know, they they uh, they won what seven of the last eight or something like that. So you know, kind of crazy that uh, the production that he put up. But again, it's just it, the offense. Uh, it, it wasn't all on him. The, you know, there are plenty of other guys that contributed. So he, he is a tough evaluation. And the one game he did play this past year, um, it was up and down. He had only 50% completions in that game. Um, you know, there was obvious rust. I think he got better as the game went on. Uh, he had, you know, the fourth quarter was, uh, you know, the, at, he was at his best compared to the first three quarters. But still, it's the, the lack of sample size. Uh, there's, no, there's no question. It's a little bit troubling. Um, obviously a mock draft more than two months out of the draft is more or less just a, a fun exercise to some degree. Yeah. Just kind of get a sense of where we're at now. And hopefully people understand those things. Now you, in this trade you did with Washington, with Detroit, you had Washington trading the 19th pick. It's third, one of its two third round picks and it's 2022 first round pick. So, you know, a, a, a decent, a decent amount to give up. And obviously that's kind of what you're going to have to do if you, if you trade up in the same mock draft, you have Mac Jones, a quarterback from Alabama, uh, still on the board. You mentioned that there could be five quarterbacks going. He could be the fifth. Some people in their mock drafts have him going even ahead of Washington. I know having done, done mock drafts, you can't always view this as you can't always view it. Well, I, I, what's going to happen behind you have to kind of go forward. The seventh right. pick you wanted to make a trade and, and it makes sense for Detroit to trade out and things like that. If, if, if you knew, if I could tell you that Mac Jones would be on the board at 19, knowing what Washington system is, knowing the levels of the quarterbacks, what would you do in that scenario? Would you stay put at 19 to take that guy? Or do you just think Lance's upside and all that outweighs whatever Mac Jones might be? Listen, at the at, at other positions, maybe you sit back and you say, okay, I'll, I'll take, you know, maybe a, a little bit of a lesser wide receiver, a little bit lesser of a pass rusher uh, and hold on to my first pick next year, my first round pick next year. But at quarterback, if you're not doing everything you can to get the best player, then I think you're doing yourself a disservice. And if, you know, it, but it, and this is assuming that they have Lance ahead of Mac Jones. If you feel like Trey Lance is a better player than Mac Jones, then absolutely. I think it's the right move to go up and get him. Um, you know, it's not, it's not one of those positions where, okay, my, my uh, third best quarterback's gone. So I'm just going to get my fourth best quarterback and we're good with that. I mean, you don't compromise. You find the fit that is best for you and you go and get your guy. And I don't think you wait and hope he falls to you. Um, I think you need to be aggressive. And especially this year, this is a, this might be the most, 
you know, just the the strangest quarterback offseason we're ever going to see uh, in NFL history. I mean, I, I, that sounds hyperbolic, but, you know, the fact that we've already seen Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff on the move, uh, the fact that Carson Wentz is about to be traded, uh, you know, the four quarterbacks maybe going top 10, uh, you know, we just don't know what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson. There's just so many things up in the air right now. And there's going to be it's an exercise of quarterback musical chairs. And you don't want to be the guy, the team left without uh, without a chair uh, with a quarterback when it's all said and done. So I think being aggressive to go up and get your guy is is the right way is the right move in this uh, this scenario. All right. We'll, we'll skip off the quarterbacks for at least a minute. I'm, even I'm tired of talking about the quarterback. That's all I've done for like the last few weeks here, but right. we'll, we'll do that. Um, so, okay, if Washington were to stay put at 19, it's conceivable they get a quarterback in free agency and then all this draft talk, I mean, you know, whether they get Marcus Mariota or whatever, like Mitch Trubisky or somebody, they could just do that. And then at 19, mm-hmm. they're not dealing with this. Uh, they have other needs. Linebacker, I think, is I would argue is their top defensive need. Maybe they need secondary help depending on what happens with Ronald Darby and, and uh, Landon Collins' recovery. Offensive line, uh, I know in, in a previous – um, Mock, you had Washington taking the kid out of USC and that you could yeah. go down that route. And it could be wide receiver. Arguably, they definitely need they need another playmaker. I think they know that, but whether they do it 19 or not. So if we just sort of go, I don't know how you look at best player available. I always look at it as best player available of the things I need. I'm not mm-hmm. just taking another running back with Gibson and McKissick on the roster. So all that said, with all that stuff, if 19 is there, What's the best player available scenario do you have uh, possibly for Washington at that point? Uh, yeah, I think it's debatable because I, I mean, you laid it out pretty well there. And I think it, it matches a lot of who's going to be available matches a lot of uh, uh, you know, the, the needs that the, or areas this team could address. I think when you look at linebacker, that stands out as, uh, you know, right there where we expect some of these first round linebackers to be off the board. Um, you know, Michael Parsons from Penn State. I don't know that he's going to last that long. He, he's a top 10, top 12 talent in this class. Uh, but the second linebacker, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, is really, really interesting. He he played a rover position at Notre Dame. He kind of, you know, fit that position perfectly. Um, but he gives you options on defense because of his flexibility. Uh, linebacker, safety, nickel. He can just do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, and, and the more that the coaches put on his plate, the more he responded. Um, this is a smart kid. Yale wanted him out of high school. Um, you know, he filled up the stat sheet and you know, he won the Buckus Award as a top uh, linebacker in college football and it, plenty of splash plays on, on tape, uh, whether he was blitzing, uh, mirroring the run, covering, he can carry tight ends, uh, receivers across the field. He's explosive as a tackler. Um, now, th- there will be some undisciplined plays here and there because he does play. Uh, so cranked up that he will have some missteps and, you know, have to, uh, you know, take some extra steps, but the intelligence, the playmaking range, the flexibility he gives you, I think Wusu Koromoa uh, would make a ton of sense. I think offensive line, you know, it's, you can get better in several areas on that offensive line and we'll see what happens uh, in free agency. That'll obviously kind of dictate maybe what they would do there, but on, on the offensive line, there's several, uh, you know, tackle guards in this class that could potentially be a, a fit. Elijah Vera Tucker was a, a name I connected with uh, Washington earlier uh, this year, just being a guy that has left tackle experience, has guard experience. He could play either. Uh, he's my top rated guard and a, a guy that gives you position flex. So that's something that's, uh, you know, uh, beneficial to your offensive line in terms of getting your best five out there. Uh, yeah, they could say the same thing about Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. I think he's somewhere in that mix. Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, 
So I think offensive line, uh, you know, and there's there's several teams picking right behind Washington. You look at the Bears, you look at Indianapolis that are looking for offensive line help. So, you know, that could uh, kind of create a, uh, a ripple effect of uh, where these offensive linemen are drafted. Wide receiver is another really strong group uh, this year. Last year set a record with wide receivers drafted in the first uh, two rounds. I think it was what twelve, maybe. Uh, this year, it, it's another. It's another group that could set some records. It, it's that deep. Um, you know, we're gonna have three receivers off the board pretty quickly, probably in the first uh, twelve to fifteen picks with Jamar Chase, uh, Jalen Waddle, and Devonte Smith. And then there's a little bit of a drop off. I, I think that at nineteen, you're probably looking in a different direction. But on day two, they're going to have plenty of options, um, you know, if they want to address the, the wide receiver position. So I think 19, unless somehow a Jalen Waddle falls to you, but I just I just can't see it. Um, if, if somehow that would happen, you know, you run to the podium and make it happen. But I think there's a better chance that this team addresses uh, wide receiver and trying to find another playmaker somewhere on day two. Um, are listening to the uh, Standard Room Only podcast. Ben Standing here with our NFL Draft Insider, Dane Brugler. If you're listening to this, you're already following him on Twitter, but for the one of you that isn't, at DP Brugler, uh, obviously read his stuff on The Athletic. Uh, he's got, cranks out constant information about the draft, has a new mock draft out uh, just from uh, the other day. Um, you mentioned that receiver may be something you can get later in the draft. Obviously, one of the questions for me whenever I look to do a mock draft is, what how rare is the guy I'm looking at in round one versus can I get more something maybe not the exact same player but I can get pretty decent depth day two and maybe even early on day three what are the positions this year broadly or the ones I sort of said were were important for Washington that um may you you mentioned receiver you could maybe wait on is there anything else you could maybe wait on or are there some you're like hey if there's a guy there in the first or second round you better get him because it's not much later uh, you know, I think, I, like you say, a wide receiver stretches, uh, you know, if you don't, if, a, if one of those top three does not fall, you can wait and get a you know, Rashad Bateman. And I like, him. Uh, yeah, he, he's a good player. I mean, he's, uh, he, he's more in that Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas mold. Not, I'm not saying he's that player, that, that level of player, but he's more of that style where the, the speed's not going to, you know, blow you away, but he understands route savvy. Uh, he can create his own separation. Uh, just he, he needs to be a little bit better with his finishing skills and there's just a small margin for error if he's not perfect with his routes he's not going to he doesn't have that suddenness to uh, create on his own so that's why we're talking about him as more of a day two player um, there's plenty of undersized speedy guys uh, and I know I think when you look at you know, look at Washington I think you ideally you'd love for them to ha- have some size at playmaker uh, but if they're okay with uh, you know some of these smaller guys you know, you look at a Rondale Moore at a Purdue, Elijah Moore, Old Miss, uh, Dwayne Eskridge at a Western Michigan is one of my favorites this year. Uh, the play speed's just dynamic. Um, you know, they're Tutu Atwell from Louisville. Uh, so there, there's plenty of options, uh, just depending on what type of receiver uh, you're looking for. Um, and, you know, I think when you look at other positions, um, you know, like offensive tackle is one of those positions where, uh, you know, I, you better get your guy early because I think just historically you look at the tackles around the league, not many of them were day two picks. Uh, a lot of them were, uh, you know, day one picks or, you know, for one reason or another, they maybe fell through the cracks and, you, you know, there were developmental guys later on. 
but usually, uh, you know, not many land on day two. But this year, I think we could have, you know, quite a few land on day two who could be quality players. Um, you know, Sam Cosme out of Texas uh, is a solid left tackle. I think there's a good chance he's available on day two. Uh, uh, Dylan Radins from North Dakota State, uh, his stock's on the rise after the senior bowl that he had. Uh, teams, uh, most teams that I talked to had a fourth round grade on him now. He is uh, somewhere in the top 60 mix uh, with, with, with uh, what he did. Uh, Walker Little from Stanford. He, he's a really interesting prospect. He has a discount sticker on him because we haven't seen him in two years. Uh, had a really good 2018 season, top recruit at Stanford, uh, really good 2018 season at left tackle. And then 2019, he got hurt in the season opener, uh, knee injury, missed the entire year, and then he opted out of this past year. So there's a lot with Walker Little we just don't know because there's two years of development missing from his tape. Um, so because of that, he'll have that discount sticker on him, but could end up being a steal. If you land Walker little somewhere in the top 75 picks. Um, another interesting case is James uh, Hudson from Cincinnati. who was a former defensive lineman at Michigan moves to the offensive line transfers to Cincinnati does not have the sample size that you want. And he's still figuring things out, but once he gets his hands on you, it's over. Um, and so that's why, you know, he's being talked about as a uh, possible second round pick. So offensive tackle is one of those positions that will stretch a little bit, which, and that's not usually the case, but I think this year it is. And I think I could probably say the same about uh, the interior of the offensive line. There are a few of these guards that are going to go first round. I think Elijah Vera Tucker, Jalen Mayfield, uh, both those guys are guards in my mind. Um, some see them at tackle, but I like them best at guard. They're probably going in the first round. But then in the second round, you know, you got guys like Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, Deontay Brown, Alabama, Trey Smith, Tennessee, uh, Jackson Carmen uh, from Clemson, another left tackle who's best inside, I think. Uh, so I, I think offensive guard is another position that, that could uh, stretch a little bit if that's the direction that Washington looks to go to on day two. Um, you know, obviously you put in all the time and effort on your own end to do this, to, to look at tape and you, and you go to games when, when, you know, normal world when you can and, 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 and all that, and you talk to people around the league. And, and in that last part, obviously, we've just seen a bunch of changes, general managers change, front office change, the one here in Washington just changed, Martin Mayhew and, and Marty Hernier in, Kyle Smith is out. And I'm always fascinated by somebody like you who talks to so many people, but then all of a sudden, things are bit up people may all of a sudden maybe people you knew at one team are gone and now overloaded in some other team so I'm always fascinated by that and I guess I'm also curious with regards to Mayhew and Herney you know Mayhew hasn't been a GM for a minute but you know he has he was a GM for a while uh Herney was just a GM 10 seconds ago with Carolina and has had an extended run I guess do you have any just general thoughts about about them and 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 Based on their hiring, do you have any sense of what Washington types of players Washington could be looking for? Well, it's a really interesting dynamic when you factor in, uh, you know, Coach Rivera and, you know, he, he's probably has, uh, you know, the, the loudest voice in the room uh, or, you know, the most important voice. Uh, and so how does how does that overlap with the scouting side? And, you know, that the, the inner workings of that relationship and the dynamic of uh, its structure is so paramount to the success of the organization. And that's something that obviously plagued that organization in the past. Uh, you, you feel optimistic that it's something that will be a positive moving forward because you feel like you have the right people in place. Um, and so you, you just hope that's the case. I think when you look at some of the, you know, the track record of these guys, uh, you know, Mayhew, a, a very aggressive uh, decision maker with uh, some of the moves that he's made in the past. Um, and it's interesting when you look at trends and maybe what might 
carry over, uh, you know, with uh, a guy like Kearney, who's been around for so long, a longtime general manager. You look at, you know, what they did in Carolina uh, in terms of, you know, uh, addressing the offensive line or, you know, really both lines, uh, investing in uh, trenches. Um, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, Coach Rivera and his track record. So it, it's really interesting. And I, I can't wait to see how it plays out because it feels like for the first time in a while, Washington has a structure in place that at least from the outside looking in looks like it is, uh, you know, the communications there, uh, the relationships are there and it, it's something that could prove to be successful. Uh, you know, only time will tell, but at least there's optimism going into this draft that they've got it uh, somewhat figured out. Absolutely. Uh, Dane, awesome stuff, man. I had, uh, sometimes you, I, I bring on a guest and I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna ask some questions and I don't know where it's, you know, if they'll be able to off the cuff figure it out. I had no worries here and you absolutely <laughs> uh, did everything I imagined. I appreciate it, man. Get some rest uh, if that's even conceivable. And uh, we'll, we'll keep reading your stuff on the, uh, on the site. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Uh, as promised, joining me here on the Standard Room Only podcast are Chicago Bears insider Kevin Fishbane. Kevin, I appreciate the time, man. You and I, as I just said before we came on, I think we're sort of in the same world right now. Quarterback and receiver. It feels like these are the dominant topics of my life other than like, can I leave my house today? Things like that. Uh, is that, is that, is that what's going to go on for you, uh, for you right now in Chicago? Yeah, pretty much the uh, order of news priorities are snow, Carson Wentz, Snow, and, and so on. I mean, it, but the thing is, like, Ben, that's every winter in Chicago, right? You just replace Carson Wentz with a different quarterback that Bears fans want. It is interesting, though, because you think about probably the two worst teams to make the playoffs. And, you know, I, what's incredible is, you know, there were Bears fans watching that Washington playoff game being like, can we get Taylor Heineke? Like, that's what, like, they, they were like, why can't anybody for the Bears – do what he just did so um but yeah that's uh that's where things stand right now that that is wild i mean that, honestly the taylor heineke thing is a big i mean obviously they just resigned him the other day to an incredibly modest deal but like a reasonable number for a backup quarterback but there are a lot of people who who ask the question wait why isn't he just the starter and uh based on that one game i understand that performance there's a reason why he was also not with any team you know a month prior and that's part of the uh the, the dilemma here uh, I do obviously want to talk about the quarterbacks I feel like I always talk about them so I thought maybe we could start with the other position a wide receiver because Washington um they've got Terry McLaurin that's a great start but their second and third receiver it's a little more up in the air there's got a couple of you know guys who are okay Cam Sims was really good in the in the playoff game and he came on but it's pretty obvious they need more help more playmaking somewhere and if you look at the free agent list Allen Robinson is clearly the number one guy but it's a pretty loaded class he also may not hit the market really I mean he could just stay with the Bears and so that's why I'm just kind of wondering from your perspective like how's that how's that Allen Robinson watch going uh for, for you right now what what kind of optimism do you have that he stays or I don't know yeah, the expectation is that he's going to get tagged I, I think that's what the Bears are going to wind up doing. The interesting thing about Allen Robinson's deal is with the new CBA, um, you know, the franchise tag, it's either, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, 120% of the top five salaries of the position, or uh, you add 120% on to what you earned the previous year. 
And for Allen Robinson, that's actually higher. So while the tag number for wide receivers is projected to be, you know, between 16, and 17 million, Allen Robinson's franchise tag number is 18 million. That's not a lot of money in the grand scheme of the way that we do this business. But if you think about a team that's right up against the cap, like the Bears are, that extra one and a half, two million, if they're trying to land a quarterback in free agency or, or the trade market, um, you know, it, it can matter. The Bears are in a tough spot because they have they just are devoid of playmakers. Allen Robinson has been far and away their best offensive player for back to back seasons. He's everything you want in the locker room. Um, you know, like one of the hardest working guys in the team, one of the most respected guys in the team. The flip side is these two sides talked last summer, couldn't get a deal done. Robinson took that public at the beginning of the year, which and the Bears don't like, you know, like most teams. They don't like when guys do that. And Allen Robinson does not want the franchise tag. So once the Bears do tag him, if they do, there's going to be some issues. It's going to be um, kind of an interesting thing. But Ben, I just I cannot see the Bears letting him leave town because, as you said, there are a lot of other wide receivers, but those guys are going to talk cost a ton of money. We talk about Godwin and Smith Schuster and um, you go down the list. So I, I really think that uh, as much as talks might have been acrimonious last summer, I just don't see how the Bears can let this guy leave when they are trying to make the playoffs next year. Right. And you mentioned before how Washington and Chicago were probably arguably the two worst teams to make the playoffs. And they did it with, you know, suspect play from the quarterback position. Uh, both yet, both Robinson and McLaurin had really good numbers. I mean, Robinson's numbers are, you know, over hundred catches, you know, uh, you know, PFF has him as one of the top five receivers in the league last year and so on and so on. So, um, you know, despite those limitations, he was able to, to, to thrive. And if you let him go, even if you think you solve the quarterback position on some of them, obviously that's taking away a huge weapon. And I think realistically, Chicago and Washington are in the same boat. I don't know what to make of Carson Wentz, but like it's hard to look at him and think, wow, we've solved the problem. It's a rehab situation. And if you don't get Carson Wentz, who at least is a something of a known commodity, all the other quarterbacks that are out there currently are like, you know, misfit toys. You know, we can all hear, you know, ooh, Marcus Mariota, uh, even your guy, Mitch Trubisky. Like, I mean, all these things are, eh, I don't know. So on the one hand, you can't, you got to have all the, the help you can get for this type of player, which would be an Allen Robinson. And, and, uh, and so I think you had, right. I think you're right. You, you have no choice. If you're going to go out and spend, you might as well keep the guy you already have. Of course, the franchise tag starts getting weird because you know, it, it, you can't do it for more than one year, unless you're Washington with Kirk cousins <laughs> and that didn't work out exactly for them. So it's not a good spot to be in, but yeah, I can imagine that the bears kind of feel like they have no choice and which is, I guess Robinson, like you said, could get more money, but it's also, uh, you know, what does he want? Like, you know, uh, not, you know, that quarterback situation is so important, obviously, for a guy like that. Yeah, it, you know, when he was in free agency a few years ago, you know, obviously the Bears offered him a deal that he liked because only three years. So he had the opportunity to reenter free agency at a young age like he's doing right now. They gave him a ton of money. Um, he was coming off a torn ACL. So the market was a little interesting then. But, you know, he Green Bay was in the, in the market for him. And he chose the Bears. And, and, you know, he said, he goes, a lot of people question that. But he had a great uh, feel talking to Matt Nagy about that offense, how he would fit in the offense. Um, you know, he took the, at the time, a second-year quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. But as you said, Allen Robinson throughout his career has been great with mediocre quarterbacks. You go back to college and Christian Hackenberg and then Blake Bortles, Trubisky, even Nick Foles, he was putting up big numbers when Foles came in. So, 
you know, that's the thing about Robinson is that if you're the Bears, like, you know, you don't know who your quarterback's going to be, but if you keep Robinson, you know who your number one guy is going to be and you can feel comfortable uh, with him in that position. So it's it's like, you know, there's um, there's there's 18 million reasons why the Bears should make sure they keep Allen Robinson. Uh, and there's just as many reasons why Allen Robinson is not going to be happy about the franchise tag. Um, and, and Bears, you know, you're, they're going to wonder why they didn't just get a deal done in August. It's going to end up probably costing them more money um, because they are, as I said, they are up against the cap. I, I just, they cannot having $18 million dedicated to one guy is tough when you might have to bring in a quarterback that's going to take up a lot of the cap as well. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Like from the perspective here, again, Washington realistically probably needs to add another significant playmaker. You could do that in the draft, of course, and this is considered to be a pretty deep year at receiver. And I think what's interesting from what I wonder is, and this is probably classic Ben overthinking, (laughs) is Terry McLaurin is a free agent in 2023. By every measure, you're going to want to keep him, not just because he's a really good player, but from like a culture perspective, he's one of these, you know, work hard, do the all the right thing, say the right thing kind of guys, which is somewhat rare, to be honest, at that position. Um, If you sign a player like an Allen Robinson to a big deal, I don't personally like spending a lot of money at wide receiver. I think it's because it's such a dependent position. I just, I would not want to do that. Um, but now you may have no choice if Terry McLaurin is going to be up for, for a deal in a couple of years. So how much money do you spend, um, spend at that spot? On the other hand, you got to get some help. And this is a pretty good year. You've got, you got Robinson, you got Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Chris Godwin, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, a little bit deeper, Sammy Watkins, uh, Curtis Samuel, I think is interesting for this team here in particular from Carolina, T.Y. Hilton, A.J. Green, if you think there's still something there. So there's a lot of options. You don't automatically have to go to the top of the list, uh, but it's interesting to see where teams will go. So, But in terms of that, is Robinson, I don't know how much you saw of all these other receivers, but like, is Robinson clearly the best guy in this group? And if so, I guess what makes him the best guy in your opinion it's really interesting ben because i think you know i you know shiel uh kapati our, our colleague has robinson number two among all free agents uh and I, the thing about robinson is he's not tyreek hill you know he's not gonna he doesn't have that kind of speed like you know he just doesn't stress defenses in that way so it's interesting when you kind of qualify where he's at. I do think when you list out that group of receivers, I do think he's probably still the best guy. He's an incredible route runner. You know, he can, he, he can, he, quarterbacks can like trust him. You know, he had a couple of weird situations this year where he had, there were three 50-50 balls and he lost all of them and they turned into interceptions. Uh, might have two interceptions and one uh, out of the end zone. So that got him a lot of criticism in town. Um, but he's still, you know, pro ball focus will say that he's like one of the best in terms of contested balls. And he is, you watch, you watch his tape and you see time after time, he's winning these 50, 50 balls. Those were just kind of magnified on a, on a different level, uh, when he missed those this season. So he, again, he is, he is reliable. His route tree is incredible. You can move him all over the field, you know, play outside. You can put, put him in the slot to, to get a different matchup. He uh, had the most 20 yard catches for the bears in like 25 years. Um, you know, so he can give you that explosive play. He just isn't, he still is below like the top of the top of the league. 
Like he's still below though. If you think about whoever the top three, four guys are in the NFL in terms of you throw him the ball, he might be gone every time. He's just not that receiver, but you know, like that I'm being nitpicky here. Right. Like, and I'm saying that though, too, because the bears could think about that as well. They could look at him and be like, look, you want, at least $18 million per year, which I imagine is going to be the starting point for his represent representation because that franchise tag, they might say, well, we think you're 17 million or 16 million, not 18. And you know how these GMs work. Like they don't want to pay a dime more than they think you're, you're worth. Um, especially when it's not free agency, when it's one of your own guys that you're resigning. So I, you know, that could come into play. I, there is, I, I don't necessarily foresee it, but there's a situation where the bears are like, look, we don't want to pay you as one of the top five guys because we don't think you are. So we're going to go make a play for a, a Curtis Samuel and, and pay him a little less, uh, a Corey Davis, um, because, uh, you know, they have this guy, Darnell Mooney, at a really good rookie year. You know, maybe they think that he, his ceiling is such that they could afford to move on past Allen Robinson. Another quick thing, Ben, to that's, that's uh, kind of a tr- uh, troubling situation for the Bears. Anthony Miller, their second round pick from a couple of years ago, just hasn't developed. He shows tons of flash, but no consistency. He got ejected from their playoff game. Now, if you're Washington and other teams looking for receivers, that's somebody you keep an eye on in terms of the Bears cut him. Uh, the, the, the chairman of the board, George McCaskey, kind of called out Anthony Miller in a radio interview a couple of weeks ago. That's not good when the owner of the team is calling you out. So he is someone with so much talent. They just haven't figured out how to harness it over his three years here. And that's part of the reason why it's so important for them to keep Robinson because they can't rely on Anthony Miller. All they have one guy they can rely on at receiver. And that is a guy who's going into his second NFL season. So I I think again, kind of like you're explaining Washington after McLaurin, there's just big drop off and the bears are kind of facing that same situation as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. For what it's worth for people who are listening to this from the Washington perspective, like if Allen Robinson hit free agency, like for me, I'm just not spending 18 million dollars a year on a receiver or whatever that number is in part as i said because i want to i don't want to i, I want to be able to keep mclaurin in time and i wouldn't personally spend that kind of money receiver but this is such a deep class and i think when you go further down the list if the back end of that top group is sort of a Corey davis guy maybe i would look there and like i said i think curtis samuel i don't know exactly where marty herney and ron rivera were on the curtis samuel thing but they seem to be bringing back all the carolina people and he fits really well with what they want to do in terms of being able to guy that can use in motion and use in different ways, get some handoffs. And uh, he, he's coming off a pretty good year. So to me, I think I'd look further down the list than an Allen Robinson if he became available. Nonetheless, just like a quarterback to some degree with Deshaun Watson, everything else is sort of stuck <laughs> until we kind of know where, where things go there. Obviously, for agency, we're still a month out. Um, we're talking with uh, Kevin Fishbane, our Chicago Bears insider for The Athletic, here on the Standard Room Only podcast. L- l- let's get to the quarterbacks. I need you to help either push me in a, in one direction or the other here with regards to your guy, Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> so here, here's where I'm at. Now, I will admit this, first of all. I don't know how it is for you, but I did not have much of a chance to watch Trubisky play this year. The football team kept me busy. I was, um, you know... Sundays, I, I just didn't have time to watch almost anything else other than the Sunday night game or the Monday game and maybe catch some highlights or whatever. And if I was going to watch something else, I wasn't going to probably watch the Bears unless it was... Uh, Look, I didn't enjoy watching the Bears, and I was I was covering them, so I don't blame <laughs> you for not choosing them as, a, as an option. <laughs> right, right. So 
look, the quarterback situations are what it is. I mean, they made Washington made a big play for just Matt Stafford. Didn't work out until Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott become available. And I suspect they probably won't. Then all Washington can do is look at the field that they have. I think Jameis Winston would be interesting, but I don't know if he's leaving New Orleans. Um, to me, with Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen here, and I'm going to assume Alex Smith will be gone, but we'll see. To me, that gives you a decent baseline. Guys who are viable backups, and if you need them to play a game or two, they can, but not guys you want for 16 games. Therefore, I would aim for upside players. Guys who, you know, we always use the Ryan Tannehill example, but something like that. A guy who has the potential, it didn't work out in his previous spot, but maybe we can fix him if you're the, the team like Washington. To me, those are guys, like I said, Jameis Winston, a Marcus Mariota, or Mitch Trubisky. Because he was the second overall pick, there is some inherent talent there. It just didn't work out. But that said, when you when you just listen to how people talk about Trubisky, oh my God, it's so it's so negative. Uh, and look, obviously the Bears, you know, they didn't give him the fifth year option. You know, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. They may, if they're going, trying to make a play for Carson Wentz, they're kind of moving on. So what's the deal here with Trubisky? Is he somebody that a team like Washington, if you're looking for upside, should consider? Or is this very much a, you know, buyer beware situation that he just really hasn't shown enough for anybody to be too interested right now? Well, the Washington connection to Trubisky is, as you mentioned, when you talk about Curtis Samuel earlier, you'd love to know what Marty Herney evaluated Trubisky at in 2017 and other members of that Washington personnel department, because as much as flack as the Bears get for picking Mitch Trubisky number two, train up for him, uh, there's a reason so many mock drafts had him going so early, because there were a lot of teams that really liked him. So you, all you need is one, right? You just need one person to kind of stand on the table and say, hey, I scouted this guy at North Carolina. I've watched him. The Bears ruined him. There's still a lot there. Um, you know, going, th- I, I think the, the Ron Rivera got a lot of contacts in Chicago. He can do some own re- his own research. Looking at Ken Zampezi, he could talk to Bill Lazor, right? The two of them worked together in Cincinnati. Bill Lazor was the offensive coordinator here last year. So Washington's going to have some opportunities to kind of do some research. I think that that's a very intriguing spot for Trubisky because it just seems like a staff that is going to work to put you in the best position to succeed. And the Bears just didn't do that with him. Uh, this pat, you know, certainly in 2019, they finally kind of figured out what works for Trubisky, which is get him under center, get him on the move with some play action boot. He can throw really well on the run and then it cuts the field in half. The the times that Trubisky fell apart was shotgun offense, stand in the pocket, read the defense, go through your progressions, make the throw. He just doesn't, he just couldn't operate that kind of offense at the level that Matt Nagy wanted. Um, and, And again, the irony here is that Alex Smith is exactly who I think the bears would love Mitch Trubisky to have been is Alex Smith. If Mitch Trubisky was Alex Smith in 2018, you're talking a Bears team that would have made a, a great run instead of losing in the first round of the playoffs. So, uh, you know, you, you're right. Trubisky's got all the physical tools. It's just who, what coaching staff can get him in their system and, and make it work. And I think there is a good list. There's, there's good tape from 2020. You look at the three-game win streak they had when he was playing lights out. Um, but then what happened was they played the Packers in a, in a huge game at home, and he was not very good. They go New Orleans in the playoffs, not very good, you know, against these really good defenses. So that's going to be all part of the evaluation. You look at his statistics, Ben, it is like uh, against bad teams, really good. Not really good, but like a, a starting quarterback in the NFL level good. 
against really good teams, not. Um, just below replacement level kind of player. So that's what a team's got to figure out. I think Washington would be an interesting place for him to go. Um, I do think that the Bears and Trubisky are, are both kind of ready to move on. Um, yeah, I think there's there was a level of Trubisky in terms of appreciating being with the same team and same staff for as many years as he could, get that continuity. You know how important that is for a quarterback if he can find it. Absolutely. Um, but it just it just wasn't going to work. It's just not going to work with the, with this group. Uh, and I think I think the way the season ended was just kind of a confirmation in that. Yeah, no. And that's interesting that you I mean, obviously, again, they didn't pick up his option. That says something, but they did make the playoffs and he was the the, the quarterback. So, it, you know, for the most part. So it's um, that's part of the you, know, you wonder, well, then, you know, maybe you re, re, revisit that. But sounds like no. And obviously they're making a push for Carson Wentz. So um you know, that, that, that's kind of a signal there, but yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I have like, like, obviously I'm sure it's the same for you. Everybody, you, you know, all the Twitter people and people in your world, they want to know what are the bears going to do at quarterback. And I always kind of view it as, especially this year when it feels like half the league needs a quarterback or is it, or at least is considering that you can't just look at Washington in isolation. You have to look at the entire, at the entire league and see, well, what else is happening around the league? And, um, you know, and that's why, uh, so that's, so it's important to see who else is out there. And like I said, there's just not there's not, there's not that many exciting exciting pieces. But there are a lot of teams like I mean, it's funny. 19 is Washington with the 19th pick is Washington. The Bears are 20. The Colts are 21, right? And all three of those teams are in the kind of the same boat right now. Like no, you know, they all have a decent backup option. Kyle Allen, Nick Foles. Jacoby Brissett, I guess Brissett's technically a free agent, but I would imagine he's easy to, to, to keep that. You could probably say, all right, if we have to start this guy, we can start this guy, but you don't really want to start this guy. So what else are you going to do? And that's why the Carson Wentz thing is so interesting um, for sure. I guess my sense of Carson Wentz is this again, he's not coming to Washington, but it connects to all these things. I guess my sense is based on reporting you see other people is everybody wants him to go to the Colts for all the obvious reasons he, he and Frank Reich have a prior relationship and that may be the best place to fix him, but the Colts just are not going to panic on this. They're not going to push it. They're basically kind of almost saying to the Eagles, look, we'll take them, but we're not giving you everything you want. And maybe the bears are being more aggressive. Maybe Ryan Pace feels like, Hey, I gotta, I got, I, I maybe on my last legs here, I gotta do something. And Carson Wentz, whatever confusion, confusion exists with him. We've seen his upside. That's better than kind of what we have with other people. Um, I guess what's your sense of how passionate they are about him and if it's not him then what do they do if you're, you're saying Trubisky is not the likely answer yeah a lot of this comes down to John Filippo. you know Flip was Carson Wentz's quarterback coach in Philadelphia when Wentz was playing his best football um, you know there have been reports out of Philadelphia that, that that Flip's level of coaching wasn't necessarily something that Wentz took to very well and, and how would he take to that here now you know unlike Deshaun Watson Wentz does not have a no trade clause but maybe Philadelphia throws him a bone and, and and you know invites his people into the conversation I don't know but that's that's an interesting part of this uh, conversation Ryan Pace liked Carson Wentz a lot in 2016 um, what does he think of him now here's the way I'm, I'm kind of assessing this because you know the Bears are, are quiet they are locked down you know they don't um, there aren't a whole lot of leaks out of that building when it comes to the quarterback conversation. Um, so much so that in 2017, the general manager didn't even tell the head coach he was trained up for Mr. Trubisky um, until the night of the draft. Uh, just kind of gives you a sense of how they operate. 
they're going to take a swing. I mean, they're going to look at everybody. You know, they reportedly looked at Matthew Stafford, who was in their division. Um, so, I, you know, I do think when you compare the Colts and Bears, there's a sense that Ryan Pace is going to be much more willing to give whatever the Eagles want than Chris Ballard would be. But then again, here we are, you know, a week and a half later and nothing's happened. So, um, you know, Derek Carr is, is another guy that um, you would think the Bears would be interested in. Are the Raiders interested in giving him up? I don't know. Um, it, you know, does musical chairs end and the Bears are left without one of these guys? It's certainly possible. Um, you know, I, I think I think the Bears should do everything they can to keep that first round pick. They haven't had one since 2018. They need blue chip guys that um, they have a lot of needs. Um, but yeah, look, if, if they are the ones that get Carson Wentz, I wouldn't be surprised. And it would be because John D. Filippo, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, Bill Lazor believe that they can turn him into a reclamation project. They can turn him into 2017, 2018 Wentz. Same thing with Frank Reich and the Colts. That's why they would you know, make that move for him as well. Um, I, I just think that when you're assessing the teams going after him, you always have to consider the Bears because they just have this very fair reputation that there's not really a cost too high uh, when going after a player that they want. Uh, for 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 sure. All right, so I'll get you out of here on to, with some predictions. Uh, I think you've already sort of said this a little bit, but what happens to Allen Robinson? What happens to Mitch Trubisky? And who is the Bears' Week One starting quarterback? All right, so I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and stick with the prediction that Allen Robinson gets the franchise tag, and we'll see if they can come to terms on a long term deal at some point before July. Um, Trubisky, you know, it's a good. I, I, I'm, I'm very curious. I think that San Francisco would be, I, I think you'd say it's for a lot of quarterbacks when you see what Kyle Shanahan's done out there, right? right. Um, that that would be, that makes a lot of sense as a place that, um, you know, that, that would fit for him. I just don't know what they think of him. I mentioned, I think Washington would be a perfectly fine fit uh, for him as well. Uh, he's going to look for a chance to start. He's going to look for a play. I don't, I don't see him, you know, going to a place where he's going to be excited to be the clear backup. I, I think he's going to want to go somewhere where he could at least compete to start. So that's why I kind of, those are the teams on my mind there. As far as the pair starting quarterback, man, you know, I wrote this a, a week ago, a week or two ago, and Bears fans were very upset with me. There's still a chance that Nick Foles is a starting quarterback week one for the Bears, right? Like if they don't get Wentz, if they don't get Derek Carr, if they don't get Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, and even if they get one of those guys, but they still have Foles on the roster. What if Foles is better? You know, Foles knows this offense. They brought him in for a reason, um, and, and they they rattled off a bunch of excuses why he was bad last year. The offensive line was bad. The running game was bad. He didn't have an offseason. You know, what if he's who they thought he was? Or did they watch the tape and say, okay, this is clear that he's a, a, a backup? I don't know. But I, I just kind of think that it's – I, I, I'll – I won't call it my prediction. I'm not going to predict Nick Foles is going to start week one. I just think it's, it's, it's worth considering because the other thing too, Ben, if the bears and, and Washington could be in this category too, if they wind up not getting one of these veterans, what if their big swing is a trade up in the draft? Like what if the bears decide, you know what, we're going to wait, we're going to go trade up in the draft for Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. I don't know. Then you keep Nick Foles, right? And, and he's your week one starter is kind of the bridge. So it's just another possibility. Um, you know, it, it's just, it, it, it's hard for me to look at any of these guys and see who could be the best. 
I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of an, an interesting one too. If you're just looking for that bridge guy, just somebody who's going to be like Nick Foles, just a good soldier and will will start and be capable for you, maybe even good um, and help you with the rookie. Uh, I'm not sure, but you know, if it would not, it also wouldn't stun me if next week we're talking about bears quarterback Carson Wentz. So uh, they are, they're going to get themselves involved in every quarterback possible. Yeah, I, I love I really like Trubisky to the 49ers for all the reasons you said. I think it makes sense, like from both perspectives. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, if they're willing to move on from Garoppolo, then maybe something could happen there. And like you said, what learning from Kyle Shanahan's good. And you and I both talk about our week one situations here in very the same way. People ask me that on the radio, and I'm always like, look, the odds on favor right now, I would go with Kyle Allen, but I mean I can't sit here and go, Oh, it's definitely Kyle Allen. I just think they like him and I don't know what else to tell you, you know, it's conceivable. He's good enough to be their starter, at least in their eyes. But at the same time, I, I can't be like, Oh yeah, that's a lock. They don't have to go do anything else. Um, uh, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick is fascinating for two teams that made the playoffs and people were like, really, they made the playoffs. Like he obviously isn't going to take you to another level, but at the same time, is he better than what they had? And therefore, could you actually improve off the season you just had? Maybe he always does better than people think, but nobody Nobody wants him around to be the guy. So he's fascinating. He's fascinating too. Um, Kevin, I really appreciate the time, man. You, you, you jumped in at a short notice for me. I really appreciate it. Uh, go follow Kevin on Twitter at K Fishbane. Go read his stuff on The Athletic. And, uh, you know, uh, if you ask him questions on Twitter, you know, just be nice. That's all, all I can say, especially if you're talking about uh, Mitch Trubisky. I understand people may have thoughts, but, you know, it's not Kevin's problem. He's just trying to help you out. So just be nice. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, that's it for this episode of the Santa Groom Only Podcast. Definitely appreciate you guys checking it out, checking my workout on The Athletic. Hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standig. And just honestly, just uh, living a good, living living life because it is not easy these days. It feels like everybody I know is struggling in some capacity. I definitely am in various ways. I hope you guys are hanging in there. hope the podcast helps at all. It certainly helps me, not going to lie. Uh, I look forward to it every week and whenever I get to talk to people. And uh, appreciate the feedback without question. So let me end it there. Back later this week with another episode, at least one more. But until then, signing off. See ya.